Hi there. Welcome to the Share Your Story podcast. This series is becoming part of the Legs Go programme developed by Ergo Medical and aims to help you become active in your healing. These are real and inspiring stories from leg ulcer patients. Why? Because you're not alone in your journey to healing. I'm Janice, I'm 73, and I got a leg ulcer at the end of November last year, 2020. Most of my legs were a bit swollen. I didn't pay attention to that as much as I realised I should have. And I woke up in the night one night and I had about half a dozen sixpence sized blisters on my leg. And I thought, I don't like the feel of that anyway. I spent a penny, came back and thought, I mustn't burst those. I must be careful because that can lead to problems. In the morning, they were all burst. Then they started leaking down my leg and that was bur- what was coming out was burning my ankle. So I showed my husband, I said, I think I'm going to have to go to the hospital because I'm really worried because I can't stop it and I'm worried about my skin because I've got quite delicate skin. Of course, COVID was rife, so I had to be taken in and of course they insist on wheeling you in there because you've got a bad leg. And I waited and waited and I saw this doctor and then the ball started rolling and then it was like you need a district nurse and you need your leg bandaged and all sorts and it just went on from there so that's how it started. Well they would come and dress it every day but much to my horror all the sixpence sizes met up and it was just getting bigger. And I thought, well, well, here I'm having care, and it's getting bigger. And then it started getting black and going deep because the flesh was dying. But, you know, you just look and think, oh, I've got a black leg. But it's because of what's happening. And then they say, well, we've got to get rid of that. They dress you every day and they're looking at it and they're, they're scrubbing it, all sorts of things and putting cream on it. And sometimes it would be really painful. So the district nurse said, you need painkillers. Well, I've tried several, some completely knocked me out. I ended up on Trundle, trying not to take them, and some days the nurse say, have you taken a Trundle? So I said, well, I'm trying, I don't, you know, I don't want to get hooked on them, sort of thing. And they said, no, you must take it if you need it, don't be in pain. But sometimes when they dressed my leg and, and scrubbed it around and everything, oh God, I'd run around the house practically, like, screaming because it hurt so much before it calmed down. And you're getting that daily, you know what I mean? So I felt really, really down about it. Given time, it gets better, but you have to go through a process where it sort of goes to its maximum. And then you look and you've got a big deep hole in your leg. Well, I've only just got to the point where all the flesh has now come up and, my, and the wound is healing, so the skin's making efforts to meet. I can't wait for the it meets, you know. It's not a nice experience at the beginning, and you do feel a bit dirty, really. And um, I had no energy, and I tended to sit on the sofa and just look out the window. And I didn't even want to do anything. I could have read a book, and you know, but I was just sitting watching TV. My husband's doing all the, the food and I'm watching the house deteriorate and thinking, I don't know, I'm going to get this straight. And then when I did get better, and I'm on my feet, I thought, I'm not going to spend the summer doing the housework. 
I'm going to go out in the garden and I'm going to make that garden look better. And I've got some help from people, you know, employed people to come and do different jobs and bits and pieces so that when I look out my patio door, my garden is pleasant to look at through the winter. I've got bulbs outside in pots and that sort of thing, you know. Something to cheer you up because I was just looking at leaves on the floor, bare trees, you know, a fence that needed painting, how drab it was, a wall that was falling apart. Well, I've had that sorted out. So I spent the whole summer doing the garden, enjoying the sun. I wore a hat and glasses and suntan lotion, but I enjoyed the warm weather when it was around and I, it was my um, recovery time. Now winter's here, I've got to start sorting the house out. So that's where I am now. I wasn't going around the house. I mean, if I came downstairs in the morning, I didn't go back up till bedtime. So, you know, I've got a four bedroom house and a quite a big garden, so, you know, I've got space. Uh, I've got open plan living, dining, kitchen area, so there's plenty of room to move around. I'm just watching it all deteriorate in front of me, quite house proud. And I just thought, how am I ever gonna get straight again? That was getting me down. My husband was very involved because he's not used to doing the jobs. So that took all his time. So he wasn't really talking to me. So I'd read the newspaper, I'd read his newspaper. I'd watch all the rubbish on the television. Um, it didn't help that COVID was going on because we'd had, because of, we've both got irregular heartbeats, we're on certain medication, that we hadn't gone out when COVID, we sort of, we weren't told that we needed to stay indoors, we weren't that ill, but we protected ourselves and we didn't mix a lot. So really all I had was my husband to talk to, <laughs> he's not the most talkative, and when he's you know, out in the kitchen preparing lunch for hours or dinner or whatever, you know, I thought, well, I might as well talk to the wall like Shirley Valentine, you know, because that's how it felt. But he didn't understand that because um, he was engrossed in what he was doing. He did well, he fed me well and everything. But um, I felt that I needed to somehow get myself out of it. So I had plenty of time to think and I, I worked out how I was going to get myself straight again. I thought, yes, I'll spend the summer doing the garden and then next winter I'll knuckle down and sort of start getting the house straight. I've got piles of ironing, you know, about 80, you know, but really a lot, but I've just kept it ticking, you know. The nurses say, don't stand too long, don't sit too long. So I've managed to work out a way of doing the ironing on a seat with it slightly lower, and I get a lot of it done that way. So, you know, up and down, just keep myself moving, really. I've got a, a daughter and I've got a sister. I will talk to them about it, but they're both busy. She had her own problems, so I didn't want to overload her. And my sister, yes, I did but talk to her, but she was working a lot. So no, it was, um, the neighbors would text and say, how are you? And if you want any shopping done or, you know, anything, pick your medicines up or whatever, that, yeah. But no, I felt like I was, I was stuck in an ivory tower, really. All the time that they're dealing with you, they're getting phone calls about why aren't you at the next call and that sort of thing. So you feel that you've got almost talking fast forward. If you've got a question, you've got to talk to them while they're, they're dealing with you. And it's, um, it must be hard on them because they're, um, they're under pressure all the time. I felt for them, really. But I did build up a good relationship with them because um, I was hoping that they would come early to me because it released my day. I wasn't sitting waiting anxiously for them. 
I laid everything out. I knew what bandages and what soaps and everything that they were using. So I just put it all out on a stool for them. And they used to come and say, oh, you're marvellous. And I used to say, well, no, you're helping me. I'll help, help you, you know. And uh, it seemed to work. And uh, I think we became friends. I had laughs with so many of them. Just about silly things. That helped as much as anything. But it was more the jokey side of things, getting to know them and having a laugh, more than talking about in-depth things about my leg. But um, one day a nurse came along. She said, we're really under pressure. How do you feel about going to the leg ulcer clinic? And I said, I would love to go to the leg ulcer clinic because I'm in charge of my own destination. I hadn't been driving, obviously, so my husband would bring me. And I thought, I've got to get some shoes on. Well, the bandages make it difficult. You can't put your ordinary shoes on. Plus, I wear orthotics because I've got flat feet, basically. So I ordered a pair of men's trainers a size too big and put insoles in and tested them out and found that I could drive. My husband took me to a car park and I did a bit of this and that and reverse and whatever. My feet didn't slip, my feet shoes stayed on, so I felt I was safe because I did have um, sort of fold-over, sort of funny shoes that sort of expanded with your toes sticking out. Well, you can't drive in those, they're dangerous. But um, when I could drive myself here, that really gave me independence, you know. So that made me feel better. Put the radio on, I was all happy. Yeah, I got, you know, I got me back, really. But that took probably until this summer, early summer, to get there. But now, you know, I just, I want to take myself shopping, because my first one, my husband was taking me shopping. And I thought, oh, you know, it's like bringing a child along with you. I kept saying, come on, come on. <laughs> but there you go. I mean, I walked with um, crutches at one point, and we have to go to the hospital once a month, once every six weeks, to get a warfarin check on our blood. And there was a point where he was taking me, and I was, he was dragging me backwards in a wheelchair. And that felt awful. I felt sorry for him. But also, people are looking at you as you're going backwards in the wheelchair. And you just... I didn't feel that ill inside, but it was necessary because I couldn't walk properly. But um, you go to crutches, and then you start walking with a stick. And then you find, now you've got the shoes on, you can actually... Although you might be a bit not as well as walking as you would be normally, you're, you're getting somewhere. So it is progress, and you, it cheers you up, definitely. Things like that definitely cheer you up. They didn't explain anything. They just said, you've got a leg ulcer and you need it dressed every day to start with. We're organising district nurses to come to your house. That was it. I didn't know the nurses very well then, so I felt awkward to ask too many questions because I knew that they, they were... The fact that they're being phoned, why aren't you at the next job because they're waiting or they need something. I felt that they were under pressure. They did the job, but it was all very... Clinical, I suppose. And it was only as I got to know them that I thought, I'll ask this and I'll ask that. But it was always very broken down. It would be on a, a little snippet daily or weekly that I'd find something out. I mean, even now, I don't know everything. I have to keep asking questions. You know, I mean, even here, how long is it going to be? And they go, well, it just all depends on how well your skin knits. And you get things like, um, eat plenty of protein, that's good for healing, something. Well, I'll, eat, I'll do that because I'm, I want to do everything to help myself, you know. Having been stupid and put on weight in the first place, to then learn that I could be pre-diabetic and that's what's caused the problem. Oh, I'm not going there again. 
Vive de acontecer. Often attending things like Weight Watchers, and I, prior to being ill, I'd gone to Slimming World. But it was a real struggle to lose weight on their diet. And um, I was talking to the doctor one day, because she was very good, she'd ring up and see how I was and where my own doctor. And she said, well, if you are pre-diabetic, that diet won't suit you. You need to eat other things, but you need to learn about it. And would you, this is where she put me forward for the uh, pre-diabetes um, phone-in, and uh, that I would learn about things. And uh, when you get into it all, you learn that what, what they say on Slimming World isn't what you're gonna do for yourself. So I reckon that helped a lot. But I wasn't at all hungry, you know, just not being active and just sitting there on the sofa watching TV. You, you, you're not hungry, you know, I was eating like a bird. So then I waved myself and thought, my gosh, I've lost so much weight. I can't believe it. I've just gone down four sizes of trousers now. I'm down to 18, 20, when I was up in the 28s before. And they were pulling on me. Now I can, I can do this with a small bear, you know, so it just... I thought, I can do this, and obviously this food suits me. But it's, it's nothing like the diet clubs sort of recommend. So, obviously, with my, my makeup, the way I am, I've learned the trick, really. So I'm pleased about that. Plus, I learned on the phone-in that you can um, do the 8-16, which means you eat within eight hours, and you fast for 16, and you think, oh, that's awful. But someone said they'd done it, but it took a bit of time to get used to, but it seemed to suit me. So I have a late breakfast and three hours later I have lunch and then three or four hours later I have my evening meal and I don't have anything else and I just drink water. And I've, um, since I was ill, I don't like the taste of alcohol either. So I don't even, I'm having a drink and I think, why did I do that? One drink, I don't even like the taste it has in my mouth. So that's good as well, isn't it? The weight side of it, the fact that um, my blood sugars are improving because I do a home test, it all go is all going in the right direction. And the doctor, will, because you do these um, interviews on the telephone now, she'll say how much do you weigh and how's this going, how's that going. You talk to them and explain about the blood sugar, and uh, that she's always very pleased. She said you've done marvels. I mean, my sister went to Slimming World. She lost five stone. She took two years to do it. She said, hey, you've done it in a year, I don't know. And I said, neither do I, really. I don't know, but it's happened. So obviously what I'm doing suits me. So I'm sticking to it, definitely. But you do need to look after yourself, and I think I'm the sort of person. I was divorced very young, I had two children. I'd always put my family first. Never had time for me. Then I remarried in my 40s, late 40s my husband first and I suppose I've never had time for hobbies never had time for me because I've always worried about you know who I'm looking after the way I'm made stupid <laughs> but now I've learned you know I need to put myself first it's a bit like if you were having a plane crash they say put your own mask on before you put the one on the person next to you otherwise you're not going to survive so it's the same principle if you're not well you're not going to be able to look after who's around you, so I've learned a lot.
clean my house from top to bottom and get it straight. Really, we don't need a four bedroom house. I like, like to get it on the market, but at the moment I wouldn't have anybody in to go around and look. Uh, I've got to motivate my husband to clean his garage out because he's got junk galore in it and we need to eliminate. So I try and inspire him. I'm making our garden look as pretty as I can. I'm got, I've always loved pots and you know bulbs and winter flowers, summer flowers. So I've done that. I've made the garden look nice in itself. And um, I just want life to go that way. I, I want a smaller place to look after, like a flat or a two-bedroom house or something like that. That's more convenient for me. With a little, a small garden, like an enclosed garden. Just, I don't mind if it slabs, I'll have some pots, because I love my pots. So, yeah, that's how I'm planning to go. That's what I want to do, that's what I need to do, really. I was floundering at the beginning, and it was when I'm... Um, I sort of realised that I was sinking and everything around me that I'd been able to keep organised was falling apart and the garden looked a mess and I just thought I need to have a... I always had a sort of a plan in my head what I was going to do and I said to my husband, I don't care how bad the house is, I'm going to spend the summer doing the garden and I'm then I'm going to concentrate on the house. I'm not going to get in a fluster about it. If something's not done, it's not done. It's... Whereas I would have flapped about it before. So I've learned to be more calm about things and to, you know, do what I'm able to do to the best of my ability. I mean, I'm a fussy person. I like to wipe things and clean things and everything. And sometimes it drives me crazy what's going on indoors, but we'll have to live with it till I get it straight. I need to do every cupboard out, every drawer, everything. You know, wipe the kitchen doors down. You name it, I'm going to do every corner but I'm going to do it slowly. So it'll probably take me right now until next summer. Then I'll be out in the garden. <laughs> well, I'm not very good on the internet, but I would probably say, try and find out more information. I am a bit of a technophobe, so I'm, you know, I'm probably not good on that. Um, but find out as much as you can. Don't be downhearted because it, it will improve. Listen to what the nurses and the doctors and everybody tell you because they know what they're talking about. If you choose not to listen, then it's your own fault, if you know what I mean. You need to take heed, and I have taken heed. It frightened the life out of me to get that because I always thought it was a something really old ladies got, you know, and to have a bandage and it's like oozing and it's coming out. Oh, one day a nurse walked in and said, I'd never met him, and it was rare to have a man born yet. It was absolutely lovely. He was a, an Indian guy who'd learned his freshen in India. He was scrupulous. He was this great big huge guy. And he walked in and he said to me, I think we need to take a look at your leg because I can smell it. And I thought, oh my God. And just the thought of that is awful. You know, it just makes you feel so awful. And I couldn't do anything about it because I can't undo it and clean it. I could infect myself. So I'm waiting daily for them to dress it. It was like, thinking oh no but I'd seen programs on TV where this woman said oh I don't go anywhere because I've got an ulcer and it smells and I hate the thought of people smelling it I thought how dreadful and there I was in that situation oh well, I don't want to go there again but I'm climbing out the hole I'm getting there I even think my mental health really they talk about it a lot at the moment due to Covid and that sort of thing I think I've sort of sat and talked myself in the head and sorted my brain out and thought how I'm going to get out of this, and I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it now, so 
That's it. And I love to come in and meet at the Ulster Clinic, meet the nurses, and we always have a laugh. I always have a laugh with all the staff. I can honestly say they've been brilliant. Sorry, I get upset when I talk about them because I think they've been marvellous to me. They really have. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to block that bit out. <laughs> They do need someone to talk to. And I suppose the fact that I've gone through the COVID year, couple of years, that has been difficult because so many people have been shutting themselves away. I mean, even my neighbours, who we live in a, a little um, sort of semicircle of five houses with a drive coming up, and then we've all got our own individual houses and drives. And we'd always meet doing the front garden and everything. Of course, you don't, you don't do any of that. You don't see anybody. So um, it was difficult then, but hopefully... Things will improve, but um, you definitely need to talk to someone, definitely. But because I didn't, my husband is not a great talker. That's why I thought I'd better sort myself out in the head. But I mean, maybe some people can't do that. I'm really at a, at a loss. You do need advice over to you, I suppose. Maybe what's coming from this will help. I hope so. Because I always think if you're doing anything like this, you are interested in who's coming along next. And that's... I think you should always help the person that's going to suffer next. I think the biggest, most important thing for me is to get the house straight so that we are able to put it on the market and to downsize to something so I can have more, more time for me because it's very nice living in this house, but, you know, four bedrooms, really, do I need it, you know? I just wish they'd build more bungalows, but they don't. <laughs> It's amazing what the body does. It, the flesh grows from this awful black hole and then the flesh comes forward to its proper level, I suppose, and then the skin starts meeting and you know you're doing well when the nurse gets excited when she has your bandage. Because it's like they almost go, oh, look at this, look at this. And then you call each other in and have a look. And you're like sitting there like a specimen. <laughs> but I've been taking a photo every week of my leg to catalogue it and I can see how it's progressing. It was, I don't know what that is, what's that? About five by nine inches that it ended up and we're down to about that now. And it's just the flesh, what's that about? Two by two, if that, and down to just flesh healing over. So it has to grow, obviously, to meet cobweb, I don't know, it has to come and meet in the middle. So each week there's a bit more flesh it's good. Happy days, yes. I've got, I feel a lot better than I did last year. Last year I was thinking, oh, where's this going to end up? You think that six little holes on your leg, you don't think they're going to meet up and become this great big cavern, but I had quite a bad one. So obviously learning about looking after yourself and everything has helped me. You just listened to the Let's Go Share Your Story podcast. For more information on how you can become an actor of your healing, visit the Ergo Medical website at www.ergomedical.com.